0: It's good to see you guys, lucky to be here with you all and to share, and, um, and so I'm sure many of you, well maybe, maybe, I can't actually assume, does anyone really know the significance of this day um, historically? I'm sure there are guys, like those that do know, not trying to put up... Is there anyone that doesn't know? Let's put it that way. Someone that has no cooking clue what's important about this day. It's Sunday. Yes. It's Sunday. It's the Lord's Day. We gather together. But there is a a deeper history. I'm very glad it's it's not the 1st of April because there'd be no fooling you. (laughs) It's the 2nd of Actually, it's um, pretty much our anniversary of being here five years yesterday. Yesterday, five years ago, we arrived in George, so we are here five years, that's very cool. And, um, and so I think all, all, all our lives growing up, we always, or well, those of us who have come to know Jesus, we, we, we know what happened over Easter time. We, we know the significance of the Easter weekend, but approximately a week before Jesus died on the cross, there was a very, another very significant event, and that is what is traditionally known as the triumphal entry or palm Sunday. And so I was just I was just over the years I've like I've never I don't think I've ever really heard anyone do a Palm Sunday preach. Has, has anyone ever heard a Palm Sunday preach? Maybe a few of us, so like not many of us actually. Um, and it's like really going, yo, there's so many angles to doing a Palm Sunday preach. And and I think maybe Maybe as us, as what would we be, Pentecostal charismatic Christians, we probably steered away from it a little bit because it's so stooped in a lot of the tradition of the Catholic church and the the traditional churches. I mean, I grew up in an Anglican church, believe it or not. I was born Anglican. You you can't be born Anglican. I'm pretty, (laughs) I was born into it. Um, I think I actually, but anyway, we dedicated, I think I was even christened. I think they sprinkled water over me. I don't know. I can't remember. But not that we we don't do that anymore. We don't believe that that's uh, biblical. Um, But I was baptized when I was about 10 years old. I came to that point where recognizing that Jesus Christ had saved me and I needed to be baptized. And so if you haven't been baptized, you need to be baptized. All right, very important. But I think in all my years of growing up in a charismatic church, Josh Jen and the church previously, I've only been in two churches my entire life. How about that? Actually, the the Anglican church, actually, I don't think I was christened because my parents got saved when my mom was pregnant with me radically saved, and then and I was born into this radical time of their lives, so I don't think I actually was christened then. was asking. Anyway, so two churches and charismatic churches understanding, but I can never remember a preach on Palm Sunday or anything around the significance of it. And as I started preparing, and that was really on my heart, I thought, man, I want to share something around Palm Sunday about the triumphal entry, the that moment when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey and the people, and, and it's so great, we sang that song now, and um, of Hosanna in the highest. And those were the words, I mean, we can... And, and I'm going to turn the inscription now, now, and we're going to read that account. But I, I just, man, what a, what a moment. What a, what a moment of, of Jesus coming into Jerusalem. But then as I started prepping, I was going, yes, there's so much information here. So many historical references and uh, prophetic alignments of things happening. And, and like, God, what is the clincher? <laughs> What is the clincher? What is it that, that you, you're wanting to bring home? Because I don't want to just preach for the sake of tickling your ears and giving you information. Because then we might as well go and sit in a lecture hall at university and just, just sit there for information's sake. For me as a preacher and someone who loves to share the word, I don't want to just share information for the sake of sharing information. That information should transform your life, really. It should bring you into a deeper relationship with Jesus should bring you into a deeper understanding of what he did for you on the cross. And that I believe this morning, and I'm hoping that when I look around this room, I mean, part for the, the gentlemen visiting us, good morning, sir, good to have you with us, didn't meet you earlier, and the family and the friends, welcome, guys. I've, been, uh, I think I've seen you around, but not all of you kind of think don't know you well. But for the rest of us yeah. if I look around this room, most of us know Jesus, or all, well, all of us should know Jesus. We don't know about Him, but we know Him. We have a relationship with Him. And so I'm trusting that this wouldn't get lost on the fact that you've heard the story maybe a million times, and that even, the, even this morning, something new would just cause you to fall deeper in love with Jesus. And that really is my aim this morning, is for us to see Him, yes, crucified, but an empty tomb, but seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning, and alive. Yeah. Alive! Can we get excited? You got, you guys are going to have to. Well, who was it? Who was it? there yeah. you're going to get an amen. Well, who was it that was with us? If it, it was France, but Franz said yesterday, the, the more you agree, the faster I preach. All right. <laughs> so maybe let's look at the account of the triumphal entry together, and and it's recorded in all four gospels. So that's pretty much fact that it happened, then. if four different people g- gave an account for it, then you can pretty much, if two people gave an account for it, then it's pretty much, it happened. But all four of the Gospels are presented. So I'm going to look at the account from the book of Mark. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, if you know your Bible, or if you don't know your Bible, it's one of the first uh, of the four Gospels. And so we're going to read from Mark chapter 11, verses 1, and let's look at it together. Now, When they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Colt is a baby donkey, okay? No one has ever said, untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. Just stop there for a moment. <laughs> How many have often thought, what? Jesus was stealing a donkey. <laughs> no, he does say that they must send it back. All right. So he was just borrowing the donkey. He wasn't stealing it. And they went away and they found the colt tied at the door outside in the street and they untied it. And some of those standing there said, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus has said, and they let them go. It's amazing just in them saying that the Lord has need of it. They just, okay, Jesus needs the donkey. It's cool. No no questions asked. And they brought the colt to Jesus, and they threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, and here's the song we were singing: "Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our God. Oh, sorry, the coming kingdom of our Father David. Hosanna in the highest!" And he entered into Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went back to Bethany with the twelve. We went out to Bethany with the twelve. So. <laughs> Maybe, uh, and I love, and I think Quinton gave me the title of this preach, The First Red Carpet Event. <laughs> the First Red Carpet Event, I love it. Green carpet. Hey? Green carpet, it was multi, no, but they threw their cloaks down as well, so it was a multi-colored carpet, but I can imagine this is where they got the whole red carpet idea from, it was from this story, hey? And so maybe we can, and so I said, this is one of, the, one of the versions. If you read Matthew, he has a different angle to it. If you read Luke and John, they have a different, and it's not to say that they were contradicting each other, and this is something always important to note, because I think, how many of you often read the Bible, and you say it was said here, and I mean, even one of the versions says he took a, a donkey and her colt, so he took, did he take two, or did he take one? So what was it, kind of thing, and then, and then, uh, you know, some said, there's just, so don't get hung up on things that are said and are not, not said, because sometimes when we see things, how, do, how many of you know, if you had to come to uh, myself and Dan and Quentin and ask us about the bra we had a couple of, or the, the meal we had the other night together, we'd each have a different piece of information about that evening, like he might say, man, the chicken was so great, and he might say, man, the pudding was so great, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the bangers and mash were great. <laughs> the Yorkshire pudding—we were talking about Yorkshire pudding—and uh, say so anyway, each and every one of us would have a different angle to that evening, and and that the same happens in the Gospels. Even it's not—they're they, not contradicting each other. So don't get hung up on that. So often we get hung up and say the Bible contradicts itself. It doesn't. It's just different angles and different through different people's lenses. And they might have, and, and sometimes guys don't always feel it important to include the information. So I've told you that Dan and, and Quinton were at supper with us. I failed to give you the information that actually Nidus was there as well. But it doesn't undermine the fact that they were still there. All right, so, it's, so that's how the Bible is sometimes communicated, which is interesting to know. So here is the first red carpet event, the triumphal entry. And I want to suggest firstly that this wasn't This wasn't the first and isn't the last triumphal entry. How many of you know there was another triumphal entry about 30 years previous? Jesus was born in a a little town of Bethlehem 30-odd years before, and that was the first triumphal entry of Him coming. And then 30 years later, He went into Jerusalem, and that is called the triumphal entry as he got onto a donkey, and I'm going to break it down a little bit more, and there's a third triumphal entry. Do you know that? He's coming back. He's coming back. And so we see Jesus coming into this world as a baby in a manger, and that's often what we think about over Christmas time, and and these are probably the two most important dates on the Christian calendar, but but by far, we just look at them as dates, and we don't really have, a, have an understanding or allow it to grip our hearts. It's just going to be an event, and, and we're, going to, we're going to get caught up in the traditions of man. We're going to get caught up in the commercial aspect of it as well, and my hope this morning is that, that we would take just serious note of what actually happened here, and actually not only on this day, but this whole week. Um, you know, in, like I mentioned, the Catholic Church, and, uh, and um, as, you know, Dan had a funny little joke with us. He, he was going to bring an incense thing this morning as well, but that was just to catch. Did you pick it up quickly? Did you catch it quickly? Just a little, little in-house humor about uh, with April Fool's. He, he was going to bring a, one of those incense burners things and, like, waffle it anyway. But, you know, <laughs> but in the religious churches, they take this whole week quite seriously. It's actually, they, they, they use this whole week as a moment of reflection, deep reflection, on, on the crucifixion, leading you know, from today leading up till next week's Sunday. I mean, yes, there's Ash Wednesday, there's Mulling Thursday, there's like, like, it's like all these weird festivals they've created. And, and I mean, if you look at the significance of every one of those events, something did happen specifically. But, but for us, I think we've become quite, hey, blasé. Hey, we become blasé, hey. I, I think maybe because, because we have a deeper revelation, I don't know what it is, uh, that when I say blasé, I don't think we undermine or, or forget about, but maybe it's just because we have a very real relationship with Jesus, and actually every day we are remembering the cross, and that's really how it should be. Maybe they only remember it then because it's a highlight and people don't serve Jesus any other day. So let's make a big thing about this so that people can remember Jesus. Maybe that's why, but I know for me, I am every day, Next, we started with giving thanks. I'm thankful every day for the work of the cross. I'm thankful every single day that Jesus died for my sins, and I think maybe that's the little bit of a difference between those stuck in religion and those who are, have a relationship. Is that in relationship you're aware of it every single moment, whereas religion you just get reminded because of the traditions and the festivals, and we forget about it every other time. And so I'm so thankful. For my relationship with Jesus. And I'm sure you all are. Maybe as you're sitting here, maybe if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, this morning would be a chance for you to start having a relationship with this incredible King of Kings. So, the first red carpet ride. <laughs> the first red carpet. So, if we look at that, and, and like I said, there's so much in the scripture, so much in the story. It's like, where do we even start? Like, what is significant? What, what are, what are the, the things that are really, really important? And, I mean, we can look at the symbolisms, and maybe let's just look at a few of the symbolisms, because it is interesting, and I think it does suddenly go, oh, my hat. And as I looked at some of these symbolisms, I was actually just suddenly more in love with Jesus. I was like, God, you are so in the detail. You are so in the detail. Um, Firstly, I want to look, like, before I get to the significance of the day, well, actually, maybe let's... Because for me, that is, that is the most important thing. Should I save the most important for last? Why, why the day was significant. Let's look, palm branches. Firstly, palm branches. They used palm branches. They had a symbol. The symbol of a palm branch is triumph and victory. So they're waving these palm branches, just celebrating. It's triumph and it's victory. It's not to keep them cool, like we see those old <laughs> guys waving to keep. No, it was a symbol of triumph and victory. So... So why why were they waving it? Well they was they, there was something of a recognition of the triumph and victory and I I don't even think they really knew what they were doing. But they were waving these palm branches and and laying their cloaks down on the road as a scent as a in, a in a in a submission and a surrender to, to, to this king who was coming on a or this man who was coming on a donkey and, and they were singing hosanna. That couldn't have come from their own revelation. There's something of that that as they proclaiming that there's this proclamation of Jesus coming into the city of Jerusalem. It had to have been inspired by the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, if you think about it, up until that point in Jesus' ministry, every time someone had said anything about him, who he was, he would keep them, he would hush, shush them. He would shush them. He would shush the demons and he would shush the people. Have you picked that up ever? As you read, whenever someone said, Oh, Jesus, son king of the Jews, shush, don't. Don't say anything. Don't go tell anyone that it was I that healed you. He never wanted his, him to be proclaimed. It was always like the time's not right. But in this moment, as he comes in suddenly, and, and you can imagine, it wasn't just a few people. Picture, I don't know, if, has anyone been to Jerusalem? Anyone been? You've been there. Marie, welcome. Yeah, from Jefferies Bay. Someone I haven't met her yet. She's from Jefferies Bay, from the, actually the newest oxygen life plant. How about that one in Jefferies Bay? That's pretty cool. Who's been to Israel? Anyone? Got a few. You've been there a few times, eh? Yeah. So, I haven't been there. I'm really trusting that I get to go there this year in November. We're trusting for a trip to, to Israel with Andrew and a team of lead elders. Um, and I've heard it's the old city. Okay, obviously, the new cities wouldn't be there now. It wouldn't be there back then. But the old city is quite small. I was asking Justin and, and Dan how big it is, kind of thing. And estimates, maybe the size of the CBD of George, eh, kind of thing. Not that big, eh, would you, I mean, oh, I don't know, Jeffreys Bay, smaller than Jeffreys Bay? Smaller than Jeffreys Bay, a lot smaller than Jeffreys Bay. Not that, <laughs> back, I'm thinking J Bay when I was there surfing back in the day, kind of thing. But it was a relatively small small city. You've got all these people arriving for the festivals. I mean, we know that it was Passover, but it wasn't only just Passover, it was the Feast of Unleavened Bread, It was the feast of first fruits. There were these three big major events happening. So Jews from all over the world arrived, Well, all over the known world (laughs) arrived. He couldn't have come in from America because that wasn't known yet, kind of thing. But Jews from all over the known world arrived, and so this little population of Jerusalem, maybe about what about thirty thousand, maybe, suddenly grew to in excess of two hundred thousand (laughs) people. Can you imagine, George? Like suddenly going poof, like over, I mean, we our population estimates about 250, 300,000 here in George. Suddenly, George becoming three million overnight, like in a matter of days. Where would we put everyone? And so you can imagine the valley, like it speaks about Bethany, which is on the foothills of Mount of Olives, the valley of Kidron coming to the old city. That whole area must have been packed with campers. Guys, going to <laughs> God's going, God's going 412. Camping as far as you could see. Cars were camping out because there wasn't enough accommodation. They brought their tents with them. They were, they were, they were parking all around the city, camping out. Two hundred thousand odd people. So when Jesus mounts this, the donkey and he starts this triumphal entry, I can imagine he was going through the masses, not just a few people. And that crowd, they knew who he was. Most, I think, there must have been a bit of crowd participation. You know, guys, going, hey, something's happening here. Let's start waving our branches. And, but there were a few people that knew, who him, knew him quite intimately that were the ones welcoming him in. Because if we read a little bit previously in Scripture, just a few days before, he had actually raised Lazarus from the dead. And it actually talks about the same people that had been there at Lazarus' resurrection being the ones that welcomed him into Jerusalem. But I'm sure there was like a bit of hype because now suddenly these guys see palm branches being waved. And people shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, the king, like his, Hosanna in the house. Hey, what's happening? You can imagine the crowd that it drew. And, and so here you have this huge procession and Jesus coming in. But you know what, for me, significant? What was happening at the same time as Jesus was coming in, because he was coming in through a specific gate. It's called the sheep, the sheep gate. He was coming in through the sheep gate. And that gate was specifically used for the ushering in of the sacrificial sheep for Passover. And that was happening at exactly the same time. Exactly the same time. The day of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, historically, was also known as the Day of the Lamb. And so, lambs were being ushered in by shepherds. To be presented before the priests for, sacri- for the sacrificing at Passover. How amazing is that? So you can imagine it wasn't just Jesus on a donkey, there were sheep, and, and not only a few sheep. The estimates of the amount of sacrifices that happened in that specific event were in excess of 250,000 sheep. That's a lot. <laughs> And so at that same moment that Jesus, because I mean, you can imagine how long it would have taken on that day to get all those sheep in to Jerusalem to be presented before the priests for, um, for uh, inspection, because they had to be pure and spot the sheep. They couldn't just be any old sheep. They were special sheep. They were sheep without blemish, without spot, without a black mark, without a sore scab on their toe, without a mark from being, uh, having their head, uh, their hair caught in a bramble bush or anything. There wasn't bob wire back then. So, you know, they, they had to be these perfect sheep. They were raised specifically for the Passover festival. And so they've been led by the shepherds on exactly the same day, the same moment that Jesus has been led. And Jesus, as we know, was known as the Lamb of God, the Lamb who would take away the sin of the world. How beautiful is that? When I say Jesus is in the detail, he's in the detail, I'm like, when I when I, when I, when I when I read that, I was blown away. And you know what was interesting is that not many people pick up on that. They, they know about the donkey, and they, they, they speak about the palm leaves. They speak about um, Jesus weeping before Jerusalem and praying for Jerusalem. They speak about what happened. At, like, there's all these things that happen. There's, but yet, not many of them pick up on the fact that actually here was this moment when Jesus, the spotless lamb, the one who would be the ultimate sacrifice for us, was being led before the, and actually, he passed through that gate, the sheep gate. The priests were there inspecting the sheep, and they didn't even notice. They didn't even pick up. Here comes the ultimate lamb, the ultimate sacrifice. And he comes in, and I'm like, man, Jesus, you are so... And if that doesn't make you love him more, then I don't know what. Like, I was, I was sharing it with France, and as we were sharing it, it's like suddenly... They said, that's wonderful, because she suddenly go, man, Jesus, you're so incredible. The ultimate lamb. And so so for the next four days up until the point when Jesus was crucified, it was about four days. I think you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and he got um, went to the cross on Friday, eh? That's four days. so they had the last supper together on the Thursday night. <laughs> and that was even they had that was the Passover meal that they shared even before everyone else was having the Passover as well. It was and so yeah, he those four days leading up to to him being um crucified, he's in the temple daily. He's sharing, he's teaching. He goes and he up he turns up the tables. If you I mean if you read have you guys actually ever read the event, but read it. I want to encourage I'm not because there's a lot of information and a lot of just incredible things that happened in that moment when those four days that Jesus was spent. He was quizzed by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He was, he, you know, he, they, they questioned him a lot, and, and he, did a, he did a lot of amazing things during those four days. And it, it was also during those few days that the sheep would be inspected. You can imagine that it took a while to inspect all those sheep. I mean, I was trying to do the math. 250 sheep. So, if you, hey, hey. 200, sorry, 250,000 lambs. Who's, who's good at maths here kind of thing quickly? Just say it gives you an average five minutes to inspect a lamb, or maybe, maybe they got it down to a minute. I don't know. 250,000 seconds. How many minutes is that? <laughs> Anyone? <laughs> Any mathematicians here? I didn't do the maths quickly. Come, let's, let's, just, let's just do that quickly. Let's just do the sums. I see Garrett's on his phone there. Garrett, 250,000 divided, what, how would you do it? That's seconds, divided by 60, divided by 60 again. 70 hours. How many days is that? Three days. So if you're doing a sheep a second, hey, it's going to take three days. That's if there's one person, yes. That's if there's one person. I'm sure there were a lot more than one person. And then they they start sacrificing them. Just Can you just take a moment to put yourself in that scenario? The sacrificing, the bleating, the, the blood, the smell. I mean, has anyone gone hunting or anyone been to a farm and they slaughtered a sheep? That smell hits you, when you just from one sheep. It was, it was hectic, and Jesus came to do away with all of that. He came to do away with all of that. He was the Lamb, the spotless Lamb, without defect. He committed—I mean, I love First um, Peter. I'm, I didn't give it to Becky, but First Peter chapter two verse twenty-two says he committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. In Second Corinthians, it says God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. He was the spotless Lamb that became sin for us. <clears throat> That's an incredible thing, eh? And maybe you're thinking, why did he come in on a donkey? Maybe you, any of you ask, why did he come in on a donkey? Why not a horse? Or why, why, why was it a donkey? And I think of, a lot of us go, oh, because he was humble and he was lowly. And it was, I mean, that was Jesus. As a, you know, it was, he was one of these men that was just incredibly humble. Hey, we, that's, that's the picture of the Bible uh, we, we read about him in the Gospels, incredibly humble. But it also had another significance as well. And we read it back in the Old Testament in King Solomon's time. That a king would ride into a city to take the city for, for like in, in, in aggression, in like in, in wartime. He would ride into a city on a horse. And he would conquer the city by riding on a horse. But, in, but once the city had been conquered, he would ride into the city on a donkey. And coming in peace. And I think of that, and, I, and so it got me thinking. I thought, man, so here Jesus, the first, first time he comes as a baby, second time he comes in on the back of a donkey in a time of peace, just bringing peace to the world. And the third time he comes in Revelation, how's he coming? He's coming on a white horse. He's coming on a white horse. He's coming as, as the general in the army to destroy the devil and to destroy the works of the enemy. Here in that moment, on that day of Jesus driving, driving riding on a donkey, driving a donkey and <laughs> a donkey for really there riding on the back of a donkey just coming in humbly as a servant in, in humility cloaks on the donkey's back but actually was coming in as a as a as a, as a symbol of peace in a peace offering again i am the king of peace i'm not the king of war and, and i think that rocked a lot of people's minds because they were expecting the Messiah to be this warrior this this man that would actually save them from the Romans, the Romans had really um, they had battened down the hatches. Jerusalem was a roman um, what 's the word hey? well no, but it was like a like a fort like i mean it was that 's where it all happened the The Romans were very aware of what was of, of these people because the, I think the Jewish people were quite a Quite a raucous nation, actually. They were quite a rebellious nation. They had to; the Romans had to keep them under their thumb. And we, I mean, you say rebellious. I'm not rebellious in a bad. They were a people who knew their identity. They they knew what God had called them to. So now we must listen to these people. Like we actually are a nation belonging to the Creator of heaven and earth. Hello. So why are these guys going to tell us what to do? So there there was a lot of unrest, a lot of like frac- factions. I mean, even within the Jewish nation. You've got the Sadducees and the Pharisees. You had the Zealots. You had all these different factions kind of thing. And so you can imagine why the Romans were there. So, so the Jews were expecting a deliverer, but someone that would come with an incredible army. They didn't expect it to be someone riding on a donkey, humble, meek, someone just present, just coming not with pomp and ceremony. And actually, I think this is the, this is the first time that actually Jesus is um, almost his identity is, is publicized. Like It's like suddenly, you know, it's gone, it's gone viral. <laughs> the king has come. And so the guys go and look. And they, but that's Jesus. We knew it was Jesus. But there was something of a, of a, of a, of a moment where, that, where I can believe hearts were beginning to be convicted and turn again. Actually, maybe, hang on a sec, maybe this is the king of kings. This is the Lord of Lords. Suddenly, there's this revelationary moment where, where Jesus sets them free, and, and you know, that word Hosanna, singing Hosanna, we were singing it just now, the word that actually means He saves, He saves us, Hosanna, He saves us, so they were singing the Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, He saves us, salvation comes from on high, and so here these people are realizing salvation has come to them, and they sing it and they're declaring it. And I can imagine the onlookers going, what's going on? Who's come to save us? And so just the crowd gathers. And suddenly it just, amongst the chaos. But there were a few that really, really knew who Jesus was. He was fulfilling prophecy. I mean, I, I was often thinking about that. So, so we know that there are a, a lot of prophecies about Jesus and what he would do in the Old Testament. And I, and I said to the guys this morning, I said, it's, for me it's always fascinating. Some of the prophecies... Like, so hear what I'm saying? I think, I don't think, like, would have happened without Jesus actually doing anything. Like, so he went to the cross and not one of his bones was broken. Do you know that much? And that was actually prophesied about, that his body wouldn't be broken. Um, And so that was someone else could have had influence on him. But here's a moment where he gets on the back of the donkey. And I, I can guarantee he knew that he was fulfilling prophecy in that moment. He was, he was in, control. He said, uh, in, in control of that moment, and going, I'm getting on a donkey because I am here in order to fulfill prophecy. I mean, the, the, the prophetic word is, is in, in Zechariah 9, verse 9. And Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation. Is he humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I often wonder how many of those Jews in that moment would have remembered that prophecy. Maybe those that were close to him, definitely those that were learned might have gone. Hang on a sec. Suddenly, like the memory, like those files, I'm sure this this picture looks familiar. Something's happening here. I wonder how many of them missed it in that moment. Maybe actually they were so busy, and and definitely the Pharisees and, and the Sadducees were so busy, worried about other things, that they missed it in that moment. And how many times have we maybe missed it in a moment because we're so, we're so caught up in so many other things. We've missed the moment. So, we, we get so caught up in, in life and in things around us, in, in, our, in our own issues, in our own tragedies, um, just our, the things that weigh us down, that actually Jesus has come to save us. We, we, the, the prophecies are there. The, the reality is there, but we just miss it because we're so caught up in... in in our own stuff, and and Quentin said something th- this morning, which for me was just so, so 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 pivotal. I think. Oh, sorry. Just so like real. I think so often we, you know, we we see we have this picture of the red carpet being laid and the and the cloaks being taken off, and laid down at the feet of this this king on a donkey. And so, just. Maybe we could just take a moment to think what are the what are the cloaks and the things that I've got on my life? what are the the robes that I've put on that have actually that I've allowed whether it be through my bad, my thinking my upbringing, uh, experiences or whatever bad experiences good experience what are the things that I have put on that have actually caused me to become heavy and burdened and laden and not actually I can't even actually see the King. I, I, like I know there's a story about him somewhere, but I actually, I don't know that he really came to save me. And so maybe this morning we just need to take off our cloaks, and that does require an actual physical act. It's a choice. I choose to take off a garment when I'm too hot, and I'm suddenly getting. Get I choose to take it off. I, it's, it's not something that naturally happens. We have to take it off ourselves. It's an action that we do, and we lay it down. And actually, in that moment, we allow Jesus, and it's not even the feet of Jesus, it's the feet of the donkey that He's on, to walk on it. Going that, actually, I'm not even worthy enough. Maybe it's there, like, maybe you even feel that I'm not even worthy for Him to do anything to me. But yet, He wants to come, and He wants to walk on those things, and those cloaks, and those, even those palm branches, which even, you know, they have multiple... Um, uses, I mean, the area where someone said to me, you know, why they use palm branches in the day there? I said, yeah, because they grew there, because, <laughs> and, and that just for me speaks of, the fact is that that's all we know, that's all we've got at our hand, is we've, we've got these things, these, this is our, this is our way of doing things, and maybe you need to take, even though sometimes the, the way of doing things, and just lay it down, and just lay it, and let him come and walk over it, and say, actually, you know what, who is the master, who is the ruler, who is the Lord, you know, he, he got into the back of the donkey, and, and those, those disciples went to those people. I mean, I know I joked a little bit earlier about that he wasn't stealing it. They, they Actually, some of the versions say it says, the master has need of it. And it wasn't just any master. The word there, I think, specifically used is that the master, the, Jesus, he's actually referring to Jesus. He is the master, not just a master. The master has use and need of the donkey. And it's interesting that it was a donkey that no one had ever ridden. It was a donkey that no one had ever ridden. And, and if we look at the, the, the horse and the donkey of the king, it was not allowed to be ridden by anyone. Historically, no one was allowed to ride the donkey, or the mule, or the horse of the king. If you did, you'd be put to death. And so this young colt had never been ridden on before. And so they get this mule. The master has need of it. The master has use of it. He'll return it. But he has, use of, he has need of it. And so... Here Jesus comes on, on, the, on, on this, this young cult, and he, and he, and he walks humbly in, in, in and in peace, bringing peace, bringing peace, peace to those people. And maybe even you sitting here going, man, I'm in so much turmoil. i like, I don't have peace. My circumstances are causing me to get just so wrapped up in, in not actually keeping my eyes on Jesus that he's actually doing something significant in this moment in my life. And he wants to. But it does require you making a choice and making a decision of laying down your life. Cloaks and clothing often talks about wealth and, and just our status, our, our financial position, whatever it might be, or lack thereof. And so, you know, some of us say, I've, I've got a tattered cloak. It's all I've got, but it's, it's what I've got. It's not a lot, but it's all I've got. And so we lay it down. And so maybe that is the Lord is asking you this morning, would you lay your cloaks down as He wants to come in to your heart and into your life, and just, just surrendering all, just surrendering all. I, I, you know, we often sing these songs about, I surrender, I give you my all, Hosanna in the highest, and, and do we really mean that? Do we really mean, Jesus, I surrender my all, and, and, and I. I feel like that's, that all that really is important is that we surrender our all to Jesus. Like if there's anything that, that you would take home with you this, this weekend, this Sunday, is that actually have I truly surrendered? Have I laid down everything at the feet of Jesus that he could walk over it and go, it's not mine. You know, often we want to pick up our lives and take up our lives. And, and Scripture is quite clear. It says he who loses his life will find it. If it takes up his life, will lose it. I think I've got it the other way around. <laughs> Doesn't matter. But some, so often we, 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 we hold on to these things because it's our safety. It's our security. You know, we, 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 when our kids were little, we had a little blankie. There, and we called it their security blanket. It was say, say dookie or whatever. And that, that gave a kid a, a sense of security. And he felt comfortable when he held on to that blanket. But it's almost like Jesus says, can I take your security? Can I take your cloak? Can I take that which gives you security? And I want to come in. And I want, to, I want to be Lord and, and I want you to see me who actually is the one that brings peace in a situation, who is the one that wants to set you free, that wants to bring you into a relationship. And so, and, and that's a daily thing, not just a once-off event, it's a daily thing. And, and, I, and I think so often we, we forget that, that Jesus wants everything. So why don't we just close, close our eyes together I want to just...